identity is defined by God, not by anyone else. Sometimes not even by what we think about ourselves. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Did you know that? And what he says about me is the truth about me. That is the truth about you. And so we take our identity from who we are in Jesus Christ. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. And what does the new look like? Well, the new you is a worshiper. And we, we've been challenged and uh, inspired to worship expressively as we come into the presence of God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. The new you, the new me, are, we are neighbor. Uh, we love our neighbor as ourself. And last week we talked about practical ways to get to know our neighbors. I hope you've had a, a, an opportunity to, to meet a neighbor and put a name on that chart that we talked about last week, the people who live around you. And this week we're going to want to take it another step, which is to become a servant. A servant is a neighbor who expresses love in practical ways, who's there to be helpful and kind and quick to be the first one to say, you know, can I help you? Let me, let me be part of the answer to whatever is in need in your life. I want to be Jesus to you. And so last week, as I mentioned, we had this chart. I think we got it up here. That's your house in the middle. And we asked, you know, how many of us could fill in every box? The people across the street, behind. And and, uh, like most churches in America, thousands and thousands have done this. Uh, We actually did it in our bulletin. Um, Only about 10% could get all the names. So my prayer coming out of last Sunday, I couldn't do all the names, was Lord, help me meet my neighbors this week. And then the power went off, right? Uh, Nancy says, it's all my fault. <laughs> power went off Sunday night about 8.20. Uh, we kind of got out all the candles and got out all the flashlights. Anybody else's power go out last Sunday? So yeah, so we were, and we were like, it's going to come on. And then, you know, it'll be another hour. Or, and we, so we went to bed in the dark and woke up in the dark. And three days later, we were still in the dark, right? So we didn't have any power, any heat, and we're on a well, no running water. That gets a little scary after a couple of days. So um, I met the neighbors. I met the neighbors. Uh, I'd already met Greg and Martha. They, they live uh, to the left, and, and uh, so I got another chance to go over there, and how are you doing, and your power out, and what do you think, and how long is it going to be? And, and then uh, I actually went for a little walk. It was kind of like my version of a prayer walk, you know? I don't know if you've ever done a prayer walk, but you pick a place and you go and just walk around it. And when you see something that comes to your attention, like a house, a person, a vehicle, you just pray a blessing in Jesus' name. So that, what I was doing, I went down to the end of our driveway and turned and, and there was a car, the garage door was open and uh, the car had its tailgate up. It was a van and I'm like, okay, there's somebody there. I'm going to get to know that person in Jesus' name, all right? So I'm lurking. I'm kind of walking around. And, of course, they probably saw this weird guy lurking at the end of the driveway, so there's nobody out. And so after about my third pass, um, the lady of the house comes out, and she's getting something, and we're standing, you know, I'm on one side of the street, more or less, and she's on the yard, and 
we start, hi, how are you? And have, we haven't met with the new people across the street. And um, we get closer and closer, you know, hi, hello, I'm, I'm Glenn, I'm Sue. We shake hands and I find out that this family used to go to our church and they're part of the daughter church we started a few years back, Wild Wind, some of you know about that. And Mike and Sue live across the street. And I'm like, oh, cool, you know. I didn't know. And, and then I, I knew this young couple, Nick and Trisha, live on the other side, on the right-hand side, two doors down. Nobody lives in the house next to us because the woman who owned the house just recently passed away. She'd been in a home for a while. Her name is Rosie. And so, you know, we've been praying for Rosie's family as they're dealing with that grief. Well, just past her house is, is Nick and Trisha's house. And I figured out that I needed somebody in the neighborhood that I knew well enough to um, text or call if the power should come back on while we were gone. So we'd met Nick and Trisha. They'd actually come to the door the first week we moved in back in July. And so, hi, Nick, how are you? And, and would you mind, can we get each other's phone numbers? And we did, and it was kind of neat because we, um, we kept in touch. Every day or so, I'd be like, any sign of the power? And they're like, no, nothing yet. And, and uh, then I said, well, you know, I'm on Facebook a lot. Anybody know I'm on Facebook a lot? And, uh, and so are you on Facebook? Let's be Facebook friends. And so we are. And, and uh, it's turned into quite a relationship. So Thursday morning, 5.30, ping, uh, power just came on. You know, so I got the message from Nick and Trisha. And I thought, what a blessing in disguise. God brought good out of bad, right? Isn't that, isn't that something he does a lot? Yes, it is. Amen, it is. He, it's something he does a lot. I, I don't believe he created that situation, but I believe he redeemed that situation. And so in that, we have gotten to know several of the neighbors and begun to establish a relationship, and we're praying that God will take that to the next step, because here's what I know. Jesus wants me to be a good neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. John chapter 1 Verse 14, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood and dwelt among us. And so Jesus is the perfect neighbor, you know. And here's what I know too, that some of our neighbors are more difficult than others. You don't have to look at the person next to you or anything, but, you know, some neighbors don't really want to be best friends. They're like a little irritated over a lot of stuff, you know, the tree that hangs over the fence or how many cars you got in the driveway or whatever, whatever. Um, nobody said it would be easy. I think about Jesus moving into our neighborhood, leaving the hallowed halls of the perfection of heaven and coming to live in a dirty, smelly fee box of a manger. Nobody said it would be easy to love your neighbor, but God loves us and our neighbors perfectly, selflessly. And he wants to put that kind of love in us. And when he does, it goes a step past, you know, I just, I'm pleasant and I'm helpful and I, you know, want to smile and say hello. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. And it's my prayer that God will help all of us to start there. 
But the next step is when the time is right, when there's a, an opportunity, when we see somebody that lives near us or works near us or somebody came to me after first service and they said, you know, this week I realized I have a neighbor at the store where I shop for food because we run into each other all the time. Same, some of the same people, we say hello. You might have a cubicle neighbor or a classroom neighbor or a work neighbor. And in whatever situation, those neighbors matter to God. And there will be a moment when they will need a hand. Somebody taught me when I was a young pastor, if all of us would find a hurt and heal it, and when we see a need, we'd meet it as best we can, we could change the world. Because that's what Jesus did and what he calls us to do. And so it's interesting to me that in the early church, when you read your New Testament, when each of the letters written by various church leaders uh, has its introduction and greeting, Romans, I, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, write this letter. Philippians, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. James, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word servant becomes an identifier, a modifier of Epaphras, Simon Peter, Jude. These great leaders of the early church, they say, that's who I am now. I hung out with Jesus. I'm captured by him. I don't want to ever get over him. I want to be like him. And in order to be like him, I am servant. I put a serving towel over my arm and I look for every opportunity I can to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And friends, I know that's what we all want. Sometimes we lose a little sight of that. Sometimes it's harder than others. But Jesus Christ loves this world. And he loves our neighbors. And he will love our neighbors through us. Remember years ago, I met a guy. He was, he was a leader of a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And he taught this seminar on loving people in Jesus' name. And, and it was kind of like an odd seminar. How, you know, how do you teach that? How do you teach people to love? And he said, you know, in the Bible it says that the love of God is shed abroad, overflows in our hearts. So here's the concept. God loves other people. God loves us. When we accept Christ, his spirit comes in. And so he loves us and he loves through us. And there's nobody he can't love, right? Right? Now, there's some people we can't love, right? But there's nobody he can't love. So if when we find somebody that's hard to love, here's the prayer. Lord, would you love them through me? And watch what God does. Watch how he starts to work in you to change your spirit and change your attitude. You know, somebody told me that we should um, pray about people before we talk to people about the Lord. We should pray for people. We should pray that God's Spirit would prepare them and prepare us that He would put His love in our hearts. Which brings us back to the same story we looked at last week. 
that story Jesus told about who's a neighbor and who's not a neighbor? It's a fascinating story. It, it gets to this whole issue of identity. The teacher of the law, Luke chapter 10, he's testing Jesus. He wants to know what's the, what's the greatest commandment and how can he inherit eternal life, eternal life. And Jesus says, well, how do you read the law? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And you can almost hear him rattle it off. He knew the right answer. Just like most of us, we know the right answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you've said rightly, do this and you will live. And the man, wishing to justify himself, said, who's my neighbor? Why did he do that? Because Jesus didn't let him off with knowing it. He asked him to do it. Those are two different things, right? I mean, there's a lot of people who go to church or, or read their Bible or, you know, feel themselves to be religious. They know the right answer. Who's my neighbor? Jesus doesn't say you get a pass if you know the right answer. Jesus says, go and do it. Do this and you will live. So then we have this famous story. Famous story about this man who's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and falls among thieves and they beat him within an inch of his life. And remember the priest comes by. He's a religious leader. He ought to help, but he doesn't. And the Levite, he's like an officer in a church. He comes by and he ought to help, but he doesn't. The Samaritan comes by and I love what the text says. It says he saw the man in need and he stopped. And helped. He saw the man in need. There's something when God begins to change us and make us a servant, we start to see needs we didn't see before. They may have been right in front of us, but we were blinded to them. And when we open our eyes, when we see the need the way God sees the need, something something changes. So the Samaritan stops and he helps the guy, he binds up his wounds and he pours in oil and wine and he spends his own money and he puts him on his own donkey and he takes him to the inn and he takes two denarii, valuable coins, and says, you know, here, this will pay for now and if when I come back, if I know you anymore for him, I'll pay it all. And Jesus says, which one was the neighbor? <laughs> and the guy says, the questioner, the skeptic says, well, the one who showed mercy. He couldn't even say it. Couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He hated Samaritans so much. Jesus deliberately takes the most hated group, makes them the hero of the story, and then what's the last thing Jesus says? Go and do likewise. Go and do. Would you turn to somebody and say, go and do? Tell them, go and do. (laughs) That's the take home, all right? Go and do. Not go and think, not go and feel, not go and talk, go and do. I love that. I love that. Live out the servanthood of Jesus Christ one day at a time. Jesus is saying, this is is what real servanthood is. This is what love is, that we act in loving ways toward one another, in practical ways. You ought to, who should you love? You should love your neighbor. And it's not the kind of ought that's, oh, man, I got to do that. 
That's where the questioner was coming from. You know, who do I have to love? Who, who have I got to love? Because I know you're messing with me, Jesus. Who do I have to love? Do I have to love a Samaritan? And Jesus turns it all around. He says, no, it isn't about who you have to love. It's who you get to love. Because loving somebody in my name is a privilege, not a duty. See, there's an ought that's a privilege and an ought that's a duty. Like, for instance, you ought to pay your taxes. Is that a privilege or a duty? <laughs> that would be a duty for most of us, right? You ought to stay under the speed limit. That's a duty. <laughs> for me, that's a duty. I'm working on that one. Um, you ought to go to the MSU football game next weekend. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, well, I was going to say the Wolverines, but I know who they're playing next week. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. All right. So, but there's that, you know, you ought to do it and it's fun, right? It's, you ought to do it and it's a privilege. That's what Jesus is saying about loving our neighbor, about serving our neighbor. He's saying you ought to do it because it's right, because it's good, because it's kingdom extending, because it's life changing, it's world changing. You know, my spirit left to myself, it's, you know, um, what's mine is mine. I'll keep it. And the spirit of Jesus Christ is what's mine is yours. I'll give it. I'll share it. And so, as a church family, our concern, our passion, our, our dream as a church is to be more and more like Jesus, to be a church full of servants who will serve whether it's locally or regionally or nationally or internationally. I think most of you know we have a ministry called Going Mobile. Uh, when we uh, sold the land to Menards, by the way, we went back to Menards and got another deal on a Christmas tree, and I told them again. I said, we sold you guys this land, all right? And we kind of had a laugh about it, and I said, you know, that was a great blessing from the Lord, wasn't it? We were able to do that and do the renovations here in our church. And we took some of that money and set it aside and said, we're not going to keep this for ourselves. We're going to use it to bless the world in Jesus' name. And so part of our calling and our challenge as a church is, okay, what do we do with this opportunity, with this blessing God has placed in our hand? And so about a month ago, I called one of my friends, an African-American pastor in downtown Flint, some of you may know him, Patrick. He leads uh, My Brother's Keeper. And uh, there's a church that meets there. And I said, is there any, any family this Christmas that, you know, isn't going to really have Christmas if somebody doesn't help? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, we're not a large congregation. Can I talk to a couple of my friends who pastor in the inner city and they'll get back to you? Well, they got back to me. And, and there's just about six families that they have a heart for and a need for. And I said, well, we'll help, right? We'll help. We would love to help. We would be honored to help. So in the next few weeks, we get, we get to do that. Because I think it was a couple of years ago, there's a book that uh, Pastor Mike Slaughter wrote with a brilliant title, uh, Christmas is Not Your Birthday. And I was like, oh, why, didn't, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I write the book, right? Christmas is not your birthday. It's Jesus' birthday. It's not about what I get is what I get to give. And so what a blessing it is this time of year. And 
there's a dozen little ways that our church is involved with people in need, and we're just going to be giving us all opportunities to serve, to help, to go, to give. And I know the Lord is building our heart for that. Thank the Lord for that. And then we were talking the other day about going mobile. It helps us to go to places in the world we might not be able to go otherwise and to bring resources to to meet needs. And so just this week I got a call saying, could we possibly take a team to Haiti sometime early in the new year? There's a really critical need. And I'm like, yeah, we can do that. We're going to do that. And then Marty talked to me. Hi, Marty. How you doing? About uh, Oakdale Christian School in Kentucky, right? Right. The beautiful hills of Kentucky. And they need a team uh, on the 8th of December coming up here in just a couple weeks. And so that's in the bulletin today. And we're gathering up that team. Everybody who has a practical, physical need that we can do something about is a privilege, right? It's a blessing. We get to do that. The Lord builds our hearts that says, I don't have to do that. I get to do that. I become a servant. It's just who I am. It's just who I am. And the only other thing I really need to say from the Lord, from His Word, is that there is something transforming that happens in our hearts. We get out of our comfortable place and into the place of need. It's like the story Jesus told. It's like the Samaritan traveling down the road. And when he saw the man beaten, wounded, that's when he stopped to help. In John's Gospel, it says that Jesus saw the crowds and they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And his heart was moved with compassion. Wouldn't Jesus always feel compassion? Well, I'm sure that he did, but it tells us that when he got up close and personal with people in need, it moved him. You know, where we spend our time, where we put our focus, it shapes our hearts. And and our culture says, go wherever you want and do whatever you like, and make it all about you this Christmas and, and all year long. You know, and, and, our, and our kids learn that lesson from us by example. And so where does, where does our culture want us to hang out? <laughs> Anybody been to the mall? The mall the mall shapes your heart. I hate to tell you, but it does. In fact, there's one. We live on M15. And if you keep going down M15 about 20 miles, you get to what? Great Lake something. This was a test. You've been there, right? Great Lakes Crossing, and we've been there. And a couple weeks ago, we were meeting friends, and they're from Detroit. And and so we said, well, let's meet halfway. So we chose to meet at the Somerset Collection. It's not a mall. It's a collection, right? Now, here's what I know. You hang out at the Somerset Collection long enough, you need more stuff. (laughs) I got to get me some of that, right? And we're talking and walking around. It's like, oh man, I never, never even knew they made those or had those. Isn't that true? The more we, the more we expose ourselves to affluence and abundance, the more we kind of think we deserve it. We need it. 
<laughs> a couple of years ago, I was teaching on this, and, and a phrase sort of stuck in my head, and it's like, I can admire it without having to acquire it. Anybody? Well, shall we practice that one together? Let's say it. I can admire it without having to acquire it. One more time. I can admire it without having to acquire it. Hang on to that this Christmas, right? Practice that one. So what do we do? Well, the opposite is also true. If we would spend more time, uh, you know, person to person with people in need, it change, that changes us too. Um, anybody here read the book, The Whole in Our Gospel? It's a, it's a soul-rocking, faith-stretching, life-stirring book. Uh, Richard Stearns wrote it a few years back. And most people, when they quote the name of the title, get it wrong. They say, oh yeah, I read that book. It's called The Hole in the Gospel. I'm like, no, it's not. There is no hole in the gospel. There is a hole in our gospel. That's a whole different thing. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ says, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. Give and it will be given to you. Be a servant, be be a neighbor, that's the gospel. But our gospel says, you know, come and hang out with us and you'll be happy and healthy and wealthy and good and all the good people have the white hats and we all come to church on Sunday. And all the bad people have the black hats and they don't come to church on Sunday. And we get all whacked out about that and all mixed up about that. And the truth of it is that everybody matters to God. He loves the whole world. And so he wants us to not have a hole in our gospel, but instead to live out the gospel. So he tells story after story after story of you know, serving in a soup kitchen and helping with um, Habitat for Humanity and going on a mission trip. Talks about taking his kids and the change it made in their spirit and their attitude. Uh, we, we've taken both our kids on trips to third world countries because it does something radical in them. And so here we are. At the end of one year and the beginning of another soon to come, we hear the call of God, the whisper of His Spirit. Be a servant. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it in Jesus' name. Don't just talk about it. Don't just know who your neighbor is. Love your neighbor. Do this. Do this and you will live. So as we move forward together, here's my challenge. When somebody mentions a person with a, with a need, whether it's physical or emotional, financial, and the, and, and the Lord whispers in your heart and you feel, you know, that heartbeat fast moment, Say yes. A ask, how, how can I help? What can I do? And do it in Jesus' name. And as a leader in this church and a servant leader to this congregation, I want to accept the leading of God and the calling, the stirring of God's Spirit to say, let's get out of the house. Let's see people. Let's put a face and a name to people in need and let's let it change us from the inside out. May we never be the same again. I'm Glenn.
I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a granddad, I'm a pastor, I'm a servant. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's come today. I thank you that you are here in the house with us. And this isn't one of those things we have to do. Ultimately, it's one of those things we get to do. We get to love you back. We get to love people in your name. And so I pray that as we move forward as a church, you will bless us and stir us and inspire us. And most of all, God, that you will use us. Because I know that as we do that, we too will find great joy, great fulfillment in, in being the people you have called us to be. So we receive this word from you today. May it find a home in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did anybody notice what time it is? It's like early. <laughs> you know, I heard that if the pastor finishes 10 minutes early, they carry him out on their shoulders. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to hurt anybody. So we won't do that, okay? But we are going to sing, and, and then we'll use this as transition into our very short uh, business. You know, it's kind of like the inner life of the church. Every church has uh, a structure that keeps it healthy. And, the, and ours is one of those. And I'm very, very pleased with the, the leaders God has raised up and that you've chosen. And so for the next little while, we're just going to talk as family. Uh, you might be brand new here. You're welcome to stay and find out, you know, what the real deal is around here. Um, but you're also welcome to go. We'll be dismissed and uh, transition from service to meeting. Okay? Okay? All right. Let's stand. Let's sing. If you need to go, God bless you. <laughs>